0: You're on the Reconscious Medical Hour right here on the Notorious Adam Dunn Network on YouTube. Thanks for joining I&I. I. It's 4.20 in Gonjarado 14 minutes, so we're absolutely timely and baked out of our minds and super pumped and triple ready for a super inspirational program today. This is our fourth episode. I am your modest raider, Rasta Stevie, and we have the mastermind of the Reconscious Medical Group, Dr. Mark with a K. Mark, Dr. Mark, say hi, everybody. Peace and love. And we have our special best today, Rain Grant. Say hi, Rain. Wave to everybody.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: There you go. This is going to be a great program. We're really looking forward to it. Um, but, you know, first, I, I, I want to let the people know there's a little bit of sad news I have to spread. Well, it's not sad news, but it's just different news, you know, and it's... Um, it's about the passing of one of the greatest purveyors of psychedelics in the world, Mr. Nicholas Sands. Swiss scientist Albert Hoffman may have invented LSD, and Timothy Leary, who had a sound bite on our program last strong, was clearly the most prominent front man of LSD, but it was a self-taught chemist and obscure by choice figure named Nicholas Sand, who was the true wizard behind the curtain. The man who launched tens of millions of acid trips across generations by producing the best, most high quality, most pure acid ever consumed across generations. Sands and fellow chemist Tim Scully created the legendary version of LSD known as Orange Sunshine. Orange Sunshine was the first LSD I ever did in 1972. It hit the streets of San Francisco in 1967 and Nicholas Sands passed away on April 24th at his home in the community of Lagunitas in Northern California. He was 75 and had spoken the day before at a psychedelic science conference in Smokeland, where the film The Sunshine Makers was being screened. Nick had commented to some of his friends afterward. It was like the best weekend weekend of his life. And then he went home and died in his sleep. So I guess he went out on top, said his long-term friend, Lorenzo Haggerty, the host of the Psychedelic Salon podcast. Well, Nicholas was born May 10th, 1941, and Nicholas Sands earned a degree in anthropology and sociology from Brooklyn College in 1966. Then he had already begun to chart a different career path. Two years before, in 1964, when LSD was still legal, the longtime devotee of yoga, had sat naked in the Lotus position in front of a war- roaring fire at a farmhouse in upstate New York and taken his first hit of LSD. And this is what Nick said. I was floating in this immense black space. What am I doing here? And suddenly a voice came through my body and it said, your job on this planet is to make psychedelics and turn on the world. He that later said, if I could turn on everyone into the world, then maybe we'd have a new world of peace and love. Sands had been invited to the farmhouse by former Harvard University pre- uh, professor Richard Alpert, who soon would be better known as the psychedelic guru, Baba Ram Das. Ram Dass' former Harvard, Harvard colleague, Leary, had formed the League of Spiritual Discovery, LSD. And Sand's reputation as drug chemist had spread to San Francisco, where another self taught chemist, Alles Stanley, was cranking out millions of doses of LSD. They had produced about four million hits of acid when the government was when when the government, which had outlawed LSD in nineteen sixty six, busted them. Sentenced to prison, Sands banished to Canada. He lived on the run for the next twenty years while continuing to crank out LSD hits by the millions. He said he distributed them to U.S. soldiers in Vietnam in an effort to stop the war, given them to jail inmates, even taken them to India after becoming a follower of the Indian guru Rajneesh. When authorities raided his lab in Canada in 1996, he boasted that they'd seized enough doses to turn on every Canadian citizen twice. He was imprisoned for three years, sentenced to halfway house for four more. Finally, he returned home unapologetic, He told National Geographic in 2009 he had produced an estimated 140 million hits of LSD in his lifetime. Mm -hmm. It was a claim that no one disputed. And as Haggerty said, his friend, when he was dedicated to the proposal of psychedelics, when used properly, could really change the world. He really believed in what he was doing by changing the world with LSD. So this program was litigated to Nicholas Sands who is an honorary member of the ReConscious Medical Group, because we also know that we can change the world through the use of psychedelics. And that's why we've invited you to come join us today on the Adam Dunn Network for Epic Show 4. And I want to jump right into our wonderful guest. I'm super excited to have my sister here today, Miss Rain Grant. She's a mother, a performer, a movie maker, an ordained reverend. She's a research analyst, a music producer, intuitive lecturer doctor of metaphysics a metabolic investigator humanitarian musician motivator she's soon to be featured in a new groundbreaking documentary called the ancient medicines she's currently completing her documentary can mushrooms save the planet she's the founder of the psychedelic club of durango the moderator of mushroom growing group on facebook she's a michael lab developer of her colorado mushroom company Everybody, meet and greet, and welcome the mycology renaissance woman of the new generation, Miss Rain Grant. Welcome to the show, sister.
1: Thank you. It's a it's a, an honor to be here amongst you beautiful fellows today. I'm, I'm very excited, and uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for having me.
0: It's our pleasure, and we could this program could go on for ten days with all the information because Rain, you're you're, you're one of those people that is like. Hungry for mycology information and in the last eight years your hunger has led you into a lot of amazing places Tell us about your recent lecture in northern, California
1: Um, yes. Yes. I got to go up to uh, Occidental, uh, California at the beginning of this year Um, It's called the mushroom camps. I I think it's like they're 30 something year I had never even heard of them before they've been doing it for over 30 years and uh, so I got to put on a a couple of lectures and I was honored that a couple of my Myco heroes were there, like Paul Stamets and uh, Bob Rawson of, uh, of the Amazon Myco Renewal Project. And uh, they both uh, attended. I was, I was surprised they both attended my talk. I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. But, um, but yeah, that was really beautiful. I got to connect with some really amazing people, pick up some uh, new interviews and, and get to see the, uh, the coast up there for the first time and, and get out into those woods. Holy smokes! Those trees are amazing.
2: Must have been such an yeah, honor to Must have such an honor.
1: Definitely an honor uh, to, to have Mr. Stamets. Uh, you know, that was only like maybe the third time I'd met him in person, but um, but to have him sitting there at my class taking notes, I'm like, what? <laughs> really?
2: <laughs> what was your class about, Rand?
1: So I, I did two. Uh, I did two talks while I was there, and one of them. I so I'm studying uh, neuro. Uh, well, nootropics, mushroom nootropics, um, not just the psychedelic varieties. Uh, many, many different types of mushrooms that are good for the nervous system, for the brain, and, and whatnot. So I did go into one talk about that, um, and, I, and and how it connects the mind, the body, and the you know and the spirit, all of that. Um, the other talk was specifically about my mushroom documentary. Um, yeah. Can mushrooms save the planet? It's a question that I pose. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of the, uh, the top mycologists around the world, asking their opinion. You know, it seems like everybody specializes in something. So I'm um, talking to, to people who specialize in what they do. And, uh, yeah, I, I put together, I, I actually got to do that talk, um, at the San Diego, uh, fungus fair this year. I was one of their keynote speakers that felt that was amazing. I got to travel to San Diego and go meet a lot of really beautiful people down there as well. Um, yeah. You- I had some really amazing people show up too. I was really surprised uh, at, at some of the people that, that, that um, came out of their way to come and say hello to me and, and, and listen.
2: When you talk about mushrooms saving the world, um, on what level are you talking about? Like environmentally, spiritually, medically, tell me more, please.
1: So, um, what I cover is many, many, many. Okay, so our planet is facing many epidemics right now, as you may be aware of, such as desertification. Our our planet is, you know, there's global warming. Desert, desert, desertification may be one of the biggest things that our planet is facing. So, what people are doing with fungi in order to to uh, remediate. Uh, areas that have been clear cut uh, to you can actually what one thing that i'm studying is oases how do we expand these oases the naturally occurring ones as well as man made oases uh, yeah. using any number of permaculture techniques using using fungi in the soil using fungi like the the micro, the ones that aren't like they don't they're not mushrooms they're 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 fungal okay mushroom is actually the fruiting body of the mushroom and underneath it, we have the mycelium. Well, that's one type of mushroom, but then there are other types of fungi that actually just reside in the soil and work together with bacteria. And uh, anyways, yeah, so that's just one thing. There are mushrooms that help break down plastics, that help uh, break down the polyurethane in plastics. And instead of taking hundreds of years for some of these plastics to to decompose, the decomposition starts within a matter of weeks. So that's huge to
2: me. Is that being done or used anywhere? I've been hearing about this for years and decades. But yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I think it's still developing because mycology is such a very young science. Let's just say like uh, about five years ago when I first heard of this, um, there was only two uh, different mushrooms that people were had just discovered. One in Pakistan and then one in uh, South America in the Amazon. Um, But just as of uh, within the past six months, now there are like over 50 different species that have been uh, now discovered to 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 help to, to break down and and, and uh, these plastics. Um, there are also mushrooms that, well, specifically the oyster mushroom, like the common oyster mushroom, that helps break down um, oils, like for oil spills and whatnot. It actually decomposes it, and 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 the mushrooms are are, are thriving off of this. Uh, Paul Stamets talks about that a lot. Um, Robert Rawson and the the, the Amazon Micro Renewal Project down in Ecuador, they are working with fungi and bacteria and order to remediate some of the oil spills that had occurred from from Texaco so just really exciting things that people are doing using mushrooms uh you know and then obviously it's good for our bodies it's good for animals people are using it on horses and dogs and uh yeah there's just there's really a lot to it
2: when you say obviously it's good for our bodies I think a lot of people out there might not know what you're talking about tell us a little bit more please
1: Sure. So, so medicinal mushrooms is a topic that I'm very interested in because I am interested in the health and well-being well, of, well, humans. Humans are making a lot of mistakes right now and not thinking very clearly. And I, I see that as, you know, a matter of upbringing. Hundreds of perhaps thousands of years of of thinking and operating in certain ways. We've got uh, malnutrition. You know, these are highly nutritious. Some of these are really highly nutritious, high in vitamins and amino acids and high in protein. You can uh, use them in lieu of uh, of meat products. So even just as a food, it's good for our bodies. But then you get into the medicinal aspects, like um, helping to support our immune system, anti-cancer, Good for the nervous system. Actually, and neuro. Some of these are neurogenerative, so uh, they, they help grow new nervous tissue, not only in the brain but throughout the whole body. So there's just there's that topic. So each of these things that I'm talking about, you could go down a rabbit hole for well, hours.
2: But we got to talk about the neurogeneration while we're there, okay? Because when I think about how um, s- psychedelics, ketamine, psilocybin, others work for depression, it's by creating neurogenesis. Absolutely. Then you talk about other medicinal mushrooms creating that and maybe we should get into talking about stacking different mushrooms.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I am, uh, I have been playing around with, uh, my, the Colorado mushroom company. I make a a line of medicinals. They're, they're all legal varieties right now. Um, but, um, yeah, like for instance, uh, what Paul Stamets talks about a lot is the lion's mane mushroom. And that, that has been particularly studied quite a bit, not just the lion's mane, that's heresium erinaceus, but there are other heresium varieties that are not as well studied. And I'm actually about to start growing some of these in my, uh, in my myco lab. Um, but these have been shown to, uh, to really help people with dementia and, uh, and any of these uh, neuro, these uh, generative diseases and, um, yeah, I think that's really beautiful. I think it's um, actually important to add it, add these things as foods, as tinctures uh, to our, to our diets before we start having these degenerative diseases in order to um, not only reverse them, but to just keep them from happening. Mm-hmm. And um, these are mushrooms that I will put in, in soups and whatnot and feed to my children um, because it helps with growing a nervous tissue, I think, wow, what, what would this do to, to someone who is still developing? And I think that is it's highly supportive. And it's funny, because these things, are almost like cure all. Some of them are like, it's like, oh, that's good for your nervous system, but it's also anti-cancer and uh, antiviral and what? How, how can these things, it's almost like a panacea, not a pandemic, a panacea, like a cure-all, some of these mushrooms.
2: lion's mane so- specifically?
1: Lion's mane specifically is very, yeah, is, is uh, really good for co- cognitive skills. A lot of these mushrooms are good for cognitive skills. But lion's mane is being studied specifically in conjunction with the psilocybin. Uh, at least that's what Paul, Stam- see, Paul Stamets has what he calls the, the Stamets stack where he mixes the lion's mane, the psilocybin, and he he does niacin which is an interesting thing. I started studying niacin just all within itself, by itself, just to to fully understand what that does.
2: What would the niacin do?
1: So niacin is a B vitamin. And uh, if you take it in 50 milligrams or more, like 100 milligrams, I I can take 50 milligrams and not feel anything, but some people are more sensitive to it, but it'll cause a flushing throughout the body. Uh, You'll turn red, it's kind of uncomfortable, but niacin within itself, in, and especially high doses uh, dosages even more even more than what I just mentioned. It can lower cholesterol, but it's also uh, and it's 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 a neurogenesis as well just by itself. So what Stamets says is that you keep the the lion's mane in your body. Just you know you can take it every day, and then I think he goes five days a week taking a microdose of the psilocybin. And when you do the microdose of the psilocybin then you're also taking the niacin. And he says that that brings the, uh, the psilocybin to the nerve endings. And he's doing studies on it right now. It's very interesting. And so, and and that that makes sense to me. I've been, I've been playing around with uh, looking at different types of stacks other than uh, just those, but that's what he specifically, he's already got a product line available so that when things are legalized, uh, you can just, purchase it from them. And there is a place out of Canada I just found that uh, they'll only ship within Canada, but you can legally purchase some of these things as well.
2: So that flushing is increased blood flow to the extremities, right?
1: It does increase blood flow, but somehow, in some way, <clears throat> it's stimulating to the nerve nerve endings. Because, as we grow older, all of us our nerve our nerve endings they start to degenerate, okay uh losing feelings and i mean even in your fingertips, but this goes into our brain and our cognitive abilities as well um and so keeping a healthy nervous system is a, is a, is is important
2: so would you say taking lion's mane and niacin should be like a daily protocol for most of us
1: um i you know what I am a proponent for saying things saying not to take everything every day. Um, I think the body needs to shift and change with things. Um, And I think that's where uh, having variances in your protocol is important. Um, I don't see that there's any... You know, there's nothing damaging that I that I have personally found with taking some of these medicinal mushrooms every day. I'm kind of using myself as a guinea pig as far as uh, the lion's mane, cordyceps, chaga and that sort of thing. Although I have read in very rare cases taking the lion's mane every day, kind of imbalancing uh, this one. It was only on one case, but this woman, she came down with her period early. So that's kind of interesting. And I don't know what other variables were happening in her life at that time to, to, you know, I I don't know what all the variables, I don't think a lot of studies have been done on that, but.
0: Yeah, I think. Well, the lion's mane mushroom right there is your lion. You got your lion right there. Lion means mushroom. I like it. And the lion's mane mushroom, just if you don't know, is available in your, in your local grocery stores. Just go and ask. They're, they're totally available. I got another day, Rain, and not, I've been vegetarian for 30 years or so, but it tastes like chicken. Not that I know what chicken tastes like, but it kind of tasted like meat, like chicken-ish and stuff. And I was a little bit turned off by it. I was like, man, eh, I don't know about eating this chicken mushroom, that's what I call it. But that's the lion's mane, right?
1: Yeah, lion's mane has got a really nice, nice, earthy, meaty flavor to it. And that's one of the yeah. interesting thing of, things about mushrooms is that when I hear people say they don't like the flavor of mushrooms i'm like which mushroom because every mushroom is going to have a different flavor and depending upon your genetics and your dna and whatnot you're you may have a different taste kind of like cilantro some people love it and other people taste a like soapy flavor so uh each of these mushrooms are going to interact with your body in different ways depending on you personally and that's what's really interesting it's a very um I don't know, it's an intelligent thing. These are intelligent. uh, And I I believe that the mushrooms are intelligent in a different way, and that's a whole different topic. But
0: um, (laughs) but the way that
1: they interact with our bodies and the way that we interact with them back is is, is interesting too. There's a mushroom that grows up here in the San Juan Mountains, in the Rocky Mountains, called a... um, a hawk's wing, okay? And they're really delicious. one of my favorites. It's like the portobello mushroom times 10, okay? Super meaty. It's a wild mushroom. And when I eat it, I love it. But about 50% of people are either going to taste a meaty flavor and the other 50% are going to taste bitter. So, I mean, seriously, it's like if you find a good uh, mushroom regimen that works for you, then it's going to, I think it's going to be very intuitive. Uh, It's going to be different from person to person, depending on just your genetic makeup and uh, and what your needs are.
2: Same goes with microdosing psilocybin, I think. There doesn't seem to be a one-size-fits-all protocol.
1: I believe that, I believe that. Um, I don't
2: think there's a
0: one-size-fits protocol for anything in the world, you know? Like one person will be a beefitarian and one person will be a raw vegan. And, you know, everybody, you know, picks whatever works best for them. It's a smorgasbord of life out there, and we can pick. Right now, you've picked the Reconscious Medical Hour right here on the Adam Dunn Network. We're live from Durango, Gonjorato in La Plata County. I call it La Plata Opia, and I'm really stoked because all three of the people that you're seeing on your screen right now all live in La Plata County. Dr. Mark with a K, myself, Roger Stevie, and Rain Grant, our esteemed special best. We're all residents of this beautiful area called La Plata Opie in the city of Durango. Rain, we've explored a lot of the metabolic side of mushrooms. I'd like to move us on to the mental, emotional, and spiritual sides of mushrooms. Um, how do you see the use of mushrooms uh, beyond dietary into transformational experiences?
1: Mm, that's a really beautiful topic to touch on. And, um, I just recently put on a couple of uh, different workshops having to do with mushroom aphrodisiacs and how you can connect with your partner uh, utilizing some of these mushrooms, some of them psychedelic, some of them uh, just stimulating to the brain, as well as... Come on,
0: name call. We want to know. And everybody wants to know which ones are the aphrodisiac ones. Can we buy those okay. at, the, at the nature's grocers?
1: <laughs> yeah, where are they at? So, uh, so I am a huge fan of, uh, of cordyceps. Uh, both the Cordyceps militaris and the sinensis, okay? Cordyceps is a weird mushroom. It grows on insects and arachnids, okay? Uh, it does not, it, it overtakes their body and it turns them into a zombie before it totally eats their body and then pops a mushroom up, out of their head or, well, out of different areas of their body. <laughs> it's a really weird mushroom, okay? But you can grow these in a laboratory setting on things like millet or um, oats or any number of grains. You can train them to to eat yeah, or to break down these other, you know, things. So it is, and even, and even so, I've talked to vegans and vegetarians who are like, I don't know if I want to eat this because it, it it's eating a, it's eating an insect. But when you, well, look. can
0: up- I grow it on box elder Bogs? Because if so, I could have a major farm in my house. I don't know about your house, but my house is box elder central right here in the Plata of Maybe I can grow it on the box elders. <laughs> so, so
1: cordyceps is being used as a natural pesticide, and I have posed the idea of finding the specific cordyceps that is good that that would uh, attack the uh, beetles that are kind of killing our. Uh, some of our beautiful pines, if you go over like Wolf Creek and you see all these pines that are dying from the, the beetle infestations, um, I do believe that we could use a type of cordyceps to uh, counteract some of that. But that's a totally different topic.
0: But, yeah. So okay, so we got cordyceps. We got cordyceps or aphrodisiacs. Drop a few more names. I'm writing them down. Let me get my pen and paper right here. I'm writing these down. Mark, you taking notes, bro?
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: what do you need? So, <laughs> stuff been studied specifically with libido, people who have sexual dysfunction and whatnot. And so it's good for both me, men and women. And I have, uh, I have been, um, testing it out. Um, but yeah, what it does is it, it's, it's really, really good for stimulating the pituitary gland, which is, uh, the gland in charge of our reproductive systems and things like that. Now, if you look at, you know, Chinese medicine and things like that, our sexual function is directly, a. Uh, connected to our chi or our life force, okay? So, you know, someone with a high sexual drive is also someone who's probably going to live a long life or be really healthy in a lot of different areas of your life. Stevie,
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey honey, can you add that to the grocery list? Cordyceps. What's the next cordyceps.
1: one? So I, you know, Colorado Mushroom Company. I am may I am I'm about to start growing some cordyceps, but I do have some tinctures available and chocolate cordyceps elixirs and truffles. I'm just saying.
0: Okay, cancel that. We're going to Bayfield to the to the uh, Colorado Mushroom <laughs> Company to get them.
1: Uh, But, um, but yeah, I use it daily because it's, it's not only good for libido, but it's good for uh, endurance. So it's been used in, uh, there was an Olympic team, I believe in China, it was the women's swim team in 1993. And they used cordyceps to, uh, to, to just be super people. And they were accused of uh, taking steroids when in actuality, when, when it came down to it, they, they were not on steroids, they were on cordyceps.
0: Doping on mushrooms. Did you hear that, Mark? I want to do that, doping on mushrooms.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. Performance But it doesn't dope you up. That's the thing is it makes <laughs> you super clear. It's really good to take if you need to read for a long time, study, things like that. But I'll take it and go dancing for a few hours, and then I'm ready to go in the bedroom. No, I'm
0: <laughs> hey, darn it. No more Adderall, bro, for studying. We got cordyceps now. Uh. Tell that to my uh, kid.
1: But but when you mix <laughs> cordyceps, say with a microdose or a medium dose of something like psilocybin, that's where it gets interesting. Or if you mix it with a small dosage of amanita muscaria, amanita muscaria is another interesting mushroom that is. It's a pretty powerful aphrodisiac, but if you take too much of it, you're just going to pass out. But you have to take that in a specific way or you get nauseated and you start sweating and it's uncomfortable. So you have to kind that. Wait a minute. The the, the, with yourself.
0: Hold on a second. You're talking about the Amanita must scare you mushroom that'll kill you. Is that the one to no, up? The, the Amanita must the,
1: scare the, you? The, the red one with the white <laughs> polka dots that everyone is afraid of. And, you know, you should use with caution and care. Because this is a, a, a mushroom that has toxins in it and neurotoxins that you have to um, convert some of them they, they get removed by some of the processes and the other ones you convert over to, uh, to what the, psych, the psychoactive
2: chemicals. Rain, why don't need to be scared why, of them. Well, well, why would we use that one instead of one that's safer and doesn't have that toxicity profile?
1: Mm-hmm. So there it's a completely different. It's a completely different profile. So, when you are examining something like psilocybin or psilocin, uh, and, and, and you're looking at ibotinic acid being converted into muscomol, muscomol is a completely different chemical and interacts with the brain in different ways than psilocin does. And so. Uh, and so, okay, so muscomol has, is being studied down in Australia uh, for its usages on the nervous system, specifically with people who have epileptic seizures and MS and things like that, okay? So what it does, muscomol attaches to the GABA receptors in the brain. And uh, so someone who's going to have a seizure, they're going to have like issues with the way that the, the the, like there's these electric pulses. And if they're not firing properly, then, you, then someone might go into a seizure, or might you know be shaking, or something like that. So what happens is it it, uh, it attaches to these GABA receptors, where, and it causes a smoother transference of these electrical, tr- yeah, of these uh, ele- electrical um, activities.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what I have found, and it's and it's used traditionally in different areas of the world. It's been used uh, in Siberia and Russia, and a lot of these places that it's uh it's Lithuania where it grows naturally. And it, do, it does grow naturally all over the world. So you're gonna have variances in its potency, depending on where in the world and what time of year that you collect it and whatnot. There's a lot of variables.
2: Does muscomol only come from Amanita muscaria?
1: That I'm aware of. They mm-hmm. have to isolate it from there. And what they're doing is they're isolating the muscimal, uh in order to study it from the Amanita muscaria.
2: Um, Is the muscomol toxic or the amanita as a whole?
1: So the toxic constituents within uh, that particular mushroom are the ibotenic acid. That's what's going to cause you to sweat. It's hard on the liver, okay? There's not been, it's toxic. It's not a poison. It's not going to kill you. There are other amanita varieties that will kill you dead, like the destroying angel, okay, or the death cap. But those are different. And that's why it's very, very important to know how to identify your uh, mushroom or, or get it from a reliable source. If you're going to use those mushrooms, um, I believe that there are. So 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 ibotenic acid converts into muscimol when it's raised to a certain temperature, 110 degrees or higher. OK, and so there are ways to go about doing that to 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 uh, convert it. So you have less ibotinic acid. Now, the ibotinic acid in itself, although it will make you sick, is also conditioning to the brain, weird as that may sound. There's also another constituent in that mushroom called mus... Uh, what is it? It's um, muscarine, I do believe. Let's see. I got it here. Write that down. We've got muscamol and we've got muscarine. So you may know muscarine as like a nerve, neuro uh, toxin. if you breathe it in. like Because this is something that is not just only found in this mushroom, it's found in other uh, have, areas of nature.
2: Yeah, we have muscarinic receptors in our bodies naturally.
1: Sure, sure, we do, we do. And I, I, that's what's interesting is that, it's, that muscarine in very, very small amounts is actually kind of like a toning, it's toning to the body. But in huge amounts, if you breathe it in, say, it could cause, cause asphyxiation. But when you're preparing this particular mushroom with these heating processes, it actually evaporates at about 110 degrees. So it's devoid of even being in that mushroom at the time that you consume it if you prepare it properly, which the Siberians, they just make it into a tea. You never eat this raw because you don't want those toxic. I've seen people eat it and I'm like, you're crazy. Um, but whatever, you know, you teach their own. They can do whatever they want. But, um, but I don't suggest ever eating it raw prepare it properly. David Aurora, uh, he is a mycologist. He talks about it in his books. He also has some videos on how to prepare it. You can actually eat the Amanita muscaria as a food because these constituents are water soluble. So you have to parboil it a couple times. And I have a story about that. Um, Here in the Colorado Rocky Mountains, we have Amanita muscaria that grows naturally. And interestingly enough, the particular variety that grows here is higher in ibotenic acid and muscomol than anywhere on the planet, okay, Uh, as per the studies. Now, I tried to do what, like, so Langdon Cook, he's an author, and he talks about it as well. So I I did a lot of research on trying this out. I parboiled these mushrooms. They looked beautiful. Oh, my gosh, it's a really sweet, delicious mushroom. So I parboiled, they say parboil it twice, so I parboiled it thrice, and I made a oh, they're beautiful, after you parboil them, then you saute them in butter, garlic, salt, just like you would any mushroom. And I'm eating it so delicious. About three minutes later, I started sweating really profusely. And I was like, oh, and I started salivating really profusely. And I'm like, oh, oh no. And I started feeling very nauseous. So I went ahead and went ahead and just got it out of my body. And I did. I ended up having a hallucinogenic, experience for the next several hours. I was not expecting that. And at that time, I did not know that our Colorado or our Rocky Mountain varieties were more potent, okay? So I don't suggest eating them as a food if you're in certain areas of the world. Like if Lithuania, they eat it as a food all the time, okay? So it is. it can be eaten as a food. I would just say, know your mushrooms, know where you're getting it from, and and all of that.
2: If somebody wanted to take this medicinally, it's not available commercially, is it?
1: Um, I do sell it commercially. I do uh, offer some tinctures, and I, and I process it. Um, I've had some really good feedback on that, actually, because it's anti-anxi- anti-anxiety, calms the nerves, and all it takes is a, a tincture full or, or two, and you just feel just relaxed. Now, if you make it as a tea... And there's a whole process because you have to dehydrate it and everything. You have to decarboxylate it, kind of like you do uh, with, with cannabis. And, uh, and then you boil it, and then you drink the tea. You drink the water. You do not intake any of that mushroom matter. You drink the tea. And I do it on small amounts. I've only done the micro doses and a medium-sized dose. But um, taking it right before bed... It induces dream state, and you can feel the stimulation in your frontal lobe. Very like I'm very sensitive, so I'm a very sensitive person. So when I play around with things like this, um, you know, I, I, I feel every little thing. And so um, if something's going to make me sick, like alcohol, if I drink a beer, I might be okay with it, but it, I can feel how it it's it's bad. For me, whereas these, where, whereas the Muscaria, I, I don't feel that. I wake up the next day feeling really refreshed, um, having very vivid dreams. It's it's interesting, and you can and when also it dosing,
2: at, when it comes to dosing. Maybe we should all assume we're sensitive at the start and go slowly and, and lightly. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, and, uh, and and you're looking at very small amounts, and I, I do have all that. There's a website called Arrowhead, and it's online, uh, and they do have a protocol as to how many grams to take and whatnot, and I've been following those protocols, and it's anywhere from one to five grams of dried matter that you boil down and then drink the liquid. That's a micro dose, and I've only gone through, I've done three, I usually go about three grams, and then I've gone up to four grams before but um well, i want
0: to use it i want to use it to trip face dude i don't know about you guys but i want to see the walls melt how many grams do i do like 100 is that what i do
1: okay oh it's funny that you say 100 grams because 100 <laughs> grams is where they say that that could actually be very very toxic for your body so don't go 100 grams okay Stevie? don't do it
0: okay 50. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no um a, a strong dose would be 10 to 30 grams okay and um and you might, Go ahead to, to, to have a full-on trip but the thing about this particular mushroom it's not like psilocybin in that you're going to see a lot of visuals so when I take it in small doses it just makes everything really bright and sparkly but my favorite way to intake it you guys is smoking it now I've been doing this for about seven years now and uh, you, you just take it dried crumble it up I mix it I personally mix it with mullein Cannabis and other—you can mix it. You can do these mixes, and um, I, I didn't really know. Uh, see, I'd heard, I had read a lot about smoking it. It's—it's it's referred to as the businessman's hallucinogenic when you smoke it in this way, because you're highly functioning. If you need to get something done, if you need to focus, a couple of, of puffs of amanita muscaria, and I'm telling you, it, it is really conditioning to the brain. Um, there is a book called the Encyclopedia of Aphrodisia. Sounds great. It is great. It is. I was going to say,
0: let's make a salad, dude. Let's get on this stuff right away. Hey, uh, Trey, next time you come over to trim my ganja with me, can you bring that mascara and we'll top it off and you guys will trim better and faster? Is that what you're telling
1: me? Sounds sounds (laughs) like a (laughs) plan. I do. I make my own smoke blends. And uh, it's a a totally legal, um, it's totally legal in the United States. I think Louisiana is the only state that it is not legal in for some reason. Um, so you, you want to make sure that it, you know, you're following your, your local laws, but, uh, obviously, but, um, but, but no, um, it's in, yeah, there are smoke blend recipes in the, uh, in the encyclopedia of aphrodisiacs, but it is, it's really nice. It's really hollow. And, uh, I like to make it under like a full moon or a new moon, you know, I'm kind of, you know, witchy like that, but
0: <laughs> I like it. You're inside the Adam Dunn Network. This is the Reconscious Medical Hour where we explore plant medicine, psychedelics, and expansion of consciousness. Our special best, if you're just joining us, is Rain Grant. She's an amazing Renaissance woman of mycology, and she is the most hungriest mycological information person I've ever met. This girls a literally walking encyclopedia in a man's world. Mycology is really a man's world, and she's one of the leading women that's it's changing that that man's world protocol in mycology so I really appreciate love you rain for coming on the program today and and uh, getting transparent and, and bringing us so much great information
2: you you bring up a great point dude a lot of a lot of a lot of psychedelic world is a man's world i was so stoked to have our first female best on the show tonight i uh, really think it's it's fantastic and i love to see that representation in this industry thanks rain Balance, mind,
0: king, alpha, queen, omega, we need more balance. So Ryan, let's, let's get them to psilocybin because that's the psychedelic mushroom that most people know about At right. our treatment center in Jamaica, we use psilocybin because it's legal in Jamaica, not cause they made it legal. They just never made it illegal. So in Jamaica, we use ketamine, cannabis and psilocybin, all three are legal substances in Jamaica. And psilocybin is one of those, probably the most popular mushroom for psychedelic experience. And it's funny how you talk about the tea and all that because back in the 80s, I was experimenting with psilocybin and I decided to boil it and make tea because I'd heard that if I ingested the mushroom, I'd get that really weird, like that. Ah, you like want to yawn the whole time and you're constantly like stretching and you get that funky, weird body height. And then I read that if you boil it down, you don't get the body height so much. So I made a bunch of tea. And then we are going to the Halloween party in ride. And so I've got, you know, we're timing it, right? Because we want to trip face at the right time. So we're timing, okay, now's the time to drink that tea. We drank it way too early because when you eat it, it took like an hour or two before you get really high. And when you put it in tea, like 15 minutes, we're all like blazing. We're like, let's get to the party, man. Oh my God, what happened to us? And everybody that did it that night testified that they didn't get any of the weird body highs by avoiding ingesting the body of the psilocybin mushroom. Has it, has that been your experience?
1: So I have some things to say about that, okay?
0: I so, bet you do. Any,
1: <laughs> so any mushroom that you eat raw, whether or not it's dried, it's going to be very hard to break down because we have what's in it. It's called chitin. Chitin is very similar to our fingernails. In our hair kind of kind of like a keratin but it's it's chitin and so when we're eating these things it's very difficult on our digestive system to break it down okay so I, okay i want to there's a couple of different ways i want to go with this so boiling it you mentioned boiling it so psilocybin itself is very heat resistant but psilocin is destroyed very easily with heat, okay? So in a, in a, in a psilocybin-based mushroom, whether it's a psilocybe or some other species, the psilocybin is going to, it'll contain psilocybin and psilocin. So the psilocybin is going to convert into psilocin and psilocin is the psychoactive constituent, okay? So when you boil it, what you're doing is you're breaking down the chitin and making it more readily available, but you're also destroying the silicin that's in there. Then you're intaking it and your body has, the, your, your saliva has these natural enzymes in it. Called, I think it's called chitinese. I, I could be say, saying that wrong, but it helps to break down chitin, but it's it's just, it it, ta- it's, it can make you have a stomach ache, okay? And I've talked to a lot of people who, when they eat the mushrooms, they I always have a stomach ache. I'm like, don't just eat it. So. And, and our bodies will naturally convert the psilocybin into psilocin, okay? But if you want to make your, if you want to make it more readily available for your, like more bioavailable for your body, what you're going to want to do is convert the psilocybin into psilocin before you intake it. And there are some different ways that you can do it, okay? Some of the ways I'm going to go into it, that's mentioned in this book, Sacred Rituals and the Search of the Blood of Quetzalcoatl. But we'll get into that in a second. But um. So an acid like lemon juice or even a vinegar, that is going to help uh, convert the psilocybin into psilocin. And what I do, and I've been saying this for years, and I just, so I'm, I'm an intuitive. And then when I read about it in a scientific uh, way, then I'm like, oh, okay, I was right. And then, and then when I find out about these things in history, I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. It just seemed natural. Our saliva in our mouth is very, you know, like I say, this is what I do. put, put the raw mushroom in your mouth, chew it, salivate. And then I take it out of my mouth. I know this sounds gross, but I put it in a mug and then I put my lemon juice. It's called Lemon Tech. Okay. So you can skip the whole chewing part. Other people talk about Lemon Tech. You can Google it. Um, it's on, uh, the Shroomery. that's another website. And that, acid is going to convert the psilocybin into psilocin. Then I add a little hot water. I don't boil it. I just add a little hot water and some honey and then I drink it. Okay. And that will make it more potent and make it more bioavailable so that your body is uh, absorbing the, uh, it just makes it less difficult on your body, but it does, it makes it more potent. Another way that you can do it, and this is kind of fun, is you take your dried mushroom matter, grind it up in a, um, a coffee grinder, make it into a powder and mix it in with raw honey. Okay. The, the, there are two reasons why. Okay. So honey is a natural, it keeps it. Okay. It, it, it's going to keep it good long, a long time, but there is a, an enzyme that's found in the gut of bees. That's also found in our saliva. So when you mix it in with the raw honey, it's going to not only start to extract it, but it converts the psilocybin then into psilocin, and then you just eat the honey, okay? Some people call it blue honey, if you Google search blue honey, but I have not seen it turn anything blue yet. I have only seen it just be like a pale yellow color, but this is a really beautiful way to do it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a uh, traditional in, in uh, sou- South uh, Mexico, Central America, and that's a really good good way to do it as well, um, and then, good. I go ahead. Any idea how much
2: it increases the potency rate? I'm just, you know, because if people at home are like, my dose is five milligrams or my dose is three milligrams, and you then they have... add some honey in, we don't want people to trip face. Exactly. Uh, exactly. We don't? So- <laughs> no, Rasta. Especially if oh,
1: you're taking come the on, man. Let's right? take a little fun. And you know what, that's going to be very, very different depending upon the uh, the mushroom that you're using, because there are literally hundreds of varieties of psilocybin-containing mushrooms.
2: Can you address that for a minute? Because I think a lot of people out there in the audience buy a sack of mushrooms.
1: And they don't know.
2: They have no idea. And there's these different varieties with different potencies, different qualities. And, and uh, I'm concerned about people with that. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Okay, well, the the one that people are mostly familiar with is Psilocybe cubensis. They call it cubes or whatever. That is going to be kind of a a middle-of-the-road potency. But even so, depending on how it's grown... And each mushroom is going to be different than the next mushroom. That's why, you know, people grind it down and then they try to to measure it, you know, how many grams, how many milligrams. And I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna vary from person to person, experience to experience. How clean is your body? How sensitive are you when you take it? There are so many variables that I think that it's really difficult. Go ahead.
2: What about part of the mushroom? Like Um, cap versus stem? What's the difference there in potency?
1: Well, it's cat versus stem versus mycelium because the um, the mycelium itself. Some people I know, and I'm not going to name any names, are creating products right now only using the 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 uh, mycelium of the psilocybin mushrooms. Okay, because, because there's legality
2: issues, right?
1: Legality issues, and because you don't have to go through the whole fruiting process. If you can skip that whole process, you can definitely um, produce a lot more.
2: Okay, and so when I was in Amsterdam recently, they, they sold the the mycelium with a grinder and Uh I didn't really get the whole grinder. But now that I'm talking to you, I'm like, that makes perfect sense for when we're using Cubensis, the caps, the stems use a grinder so that, you know, you have three grams is consistent from time to time ish.
1: It makes it more consistent. Okay. But it is always going to be a little bit, I mean, You know, and I don't have, you know, I'm going to be having a mushroom laboratory where I'm growing uh, edible mushrooms, but even so, I don't have a laboratory set up where I'm looking at the genetics. And there are people out there who study specifically the genetics and they know from, you know, mushroom to mushroom, they can look at it and see what the chemical ratios. But yeah, definitely if you're going to, you know, do it in in these ways using lemon tech, I'd say go with a little bit less than what you're used to. Just to you know, just to be safe. Or if you're eating chocolate or cacao, that is an MAO inhibitor. That is going to increase the uh, the experience by by quite a bit. And that's a whole another topic.
2: <laughs> Mushroom chocolate. Well, they always uh, like I I want to ask an important question about medication interactions with psilocybin. Mm-hmm. I know there's, you know, when we talk about psilocybin and depression, for instance, trauma, a lot of people with depression and trauma are already taking psychiatric drugs, not plant medicine, but drugs. And maybe we should talk about that a minute, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm willing to have that discussion and and, uh, contribute to it as much as I can. I I will be honest in that I don't know a lot about uh, some of these uh, uh, drugs. I'm specifically just uh, looking at
2: Well, let's talk about psilocybin and serotonin and what happens with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my understanding is that it is uh, stimulating to the serotonin receptors, right? Um, Now, you tell me, because you're a doctor, right? (laughs) Uh, It builds up the serotonin levels in the brain and then it gets all released at one time. And you're like, oh, happy chemicals. What I'm interested in is what produces the oxytocin and i don't believe there have been many studies that show that psilocybin is connected to oxytocin but amanita muscaria is i just wanted to throw that out there
2: interesting
1: but uh but yeah serotonin it's the ha- it's one of the happy chemicals in our brain and so my understanding is and we can go into the topic of uh, people who have the lack of empathy empathy okay and how because I've been I, I've been really interested in that. but like we're training our brain, especially when we're doing micro doses, when we're doing these small doses where we don't really feel it, but it just enhances the mood, what we're doing is we're training our brain how to interact with the world in a healthier way, okay? And it's also conditioning our brain to to help with these serotonin levels and whatnot. Now I've heard people say they did a really heavy trip and then they felt really low the next day on their serotonin levels. And um, and that's interesting too, but I've found with these low doses it just kind of and I don't do the protocol that that stamit says that's a that's a bit much for me
0: but um what do you mean um, he he says to do it like hey, we hours. got a question from we got a question from the audience. this is really exciting he says does, or he or she does the knowledgeable lady that's rain grant thank you about how you refer to as the knowledgeable lady I like it. Does the knowledgeable <laughs> lady have experience with the Liberty Cap or Psilocybe okay. Um,
1: I do know about the Liberty Cap. Um, you know, I have um, I have intaken in it. You know, it's it's definitely a you know a psilocybin containing mushroom. Very very uh, uh, popular. Um, it's kind of one of the larger caps. Uh, some of them are real tiny, you know, but the Liberty Cap I've seen that they're really kind of big. Um, but I, you know. Uh, I don't know what the levels are in that. I know that certain varieties are going to have more than, than, uh, than the others. Uh, uh, specifically the one that uh, Tom Lane mentions in his book uh, that's used uh, in, in the Aztec traditions is uh psilocybin zapatocorum. And that is like one of the higher ones. And, and, and Paul Stamets mentioned one at his talk at the mushroom camps. And I, and I took notes and I'm, I'm not, I wasn't super familiar with it, but it was even higher than the Zappa decorum. So, so it just really, yeah, I, I have some experience, but not a lot. <laughs> Let's just say that.
2: Do you think that the different, um, psychedelic mushrooms, have, besides having different amounts of psilocybin, is there an entourage type effect, like with cannabis that we see between the different varieties?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be different from, yeah, different from mushroom, uh, mushroom variety to mushroom variety kind of like yeah kind of like mushroom okay, kind of like uh, cannabis yes but um let's see we were, where were we go we were going uh i was going to go in the direction of we were talking about serotonin now we could go in the direction of um talking about people using it or there's a it's reconditioning the brain right it's been shown to uh there's been some studies uh using it on people who have a lack of empathy or some people call it like sociopathy where you can't feel
2: criminals, sociopaths,
1: sociopath, psychopaths. You know that kind of thing, but not 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 everybody who's you know sociopathic is a psychopath, but it can be the, the reverse. But some of the studies that I so I've come across some of these studies because I was looking at how to connect with with your intimate partner, how to get how to really connect deeply with your partner and deep deeply with the planet, you know, and and um. But anyways, um, there is a study that has shown that, uh, psilocybin has helped to create cognitive, uh, empathy. I'm not caught. Well, cognitive empathy, it's empathy that you got emotional empathy and cognitive empathy. So a lot of people who are true sociopaths who lack empathy skills, they can learn cognitive empathy. That means you learn how to interact, you learn how to react, but you're not actually feeling it. But the emotional empathy is where you can actually feel what another person is feeling. And what they're showing is that when taking psilocybin, um, the, so these people who lack empathy are able to empathize and feel, have emotional empathy with their intimate partners, but not with um, strangers, okay? And I've spoken to a few people and then read testimonials of people who say that they are indeed sociopaths that they cannot that they, when they take mushrooms, that's the only time that they're able to actually connect with their intimate partner in an emotional way.
2: And so I So if your spouse isn't listening, you should dose them?
1: <laughs> well only with their uh you know with their uh you permission, you know <laughs> But I do. I find it interesting and more studies uh, obviously need to be done on it. But um, but I think it's all about reconditioning and coni- conditioning the brain to function properly, because our brains, you know, we were going to go into the also another topic, which was like what? grain. G- what did you say? Grain? Uh, what did you call it, Stevie? Because grain we- damage, grain damage. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let
0: me explain that real quick. Grain damage is a is I I don't call it diet. Diet. Look that up. Live it. So there's a, there's some people that are studying nutrition and livits that say that when the human race became less hunter gathering, became more sedentary and we started to cultivate grains, that those grains, some of them actually have opiates and that they over long periods of uses people get what's called grain damage, which is also called boggy brain and a lot of other stuff like this. So you know, some of the raw foodist proponents will talk about grain damage and how bright and light you get when you refrain from eating grains and you know most of us live on a pretty high grain diet so if you can limit some of your grains you'll have less grain damage and so how does that play into mycology rain
1: all right so i'm going to show you a book here this is called return to the brain of eden okay if you're interested restoring the connection between neurochemistry and consciousness Okay. And in this book, they do mention, uh, Dr. Rick Strassman, the author of the DMT, the spirit molecule. He talks about DMT, DMT. I have a couple of his books. Um, but he he mentions DMT and the importance of it in our brains. Okay. Um, they've shown studies in laboratory animals, rats specifically, that they produce their own DMT. But then there's these question marks as to whether or not our brain actually produces it. Um, I believe that it does. And there are ways to induce it just by... So DMT is found in all sorts of foods. I mean, many, many foods. So when, so the hunter-gatherer is about 600,000 600, years ago. And that's what they say in this book, at least, because there's different timelines according to different people. It's interesting. Everybody says something a little different. But according to this particular book, they say about 600,000 years ago, our brains were developing at such a fast pace. Our brains were actually growing in size. Now, intelligence intelligence isn't necessarily judged by how big the brain is. I mean, we can look at different types, but it's t- you know it's the the wrinkles in the brain. So that's that's another question, and they don't touch that. But they say that about six hundred thousand years ago, our brains were expanding at a rapid, rapid speed, and that he contributes it to the amount of really good food, our diet that we were eating at the time and getting adequate levels of DMT and whatnot. Now there are people like Terrence McKenna, Paul Stamets that say they, they, they uh, pose the uh, what's called the stoned ape theory uh, saying that once we started intake these psychedelic mushrooms, our our brains start, we started becoming much, much more developed in our cognitive skills. We became more spiritual and all of this. Now, According to fossil record, about two hundred thousand years ago, two hundred fifty thousand years ago, our brains started shrinking, and it's correlated directly when we started to when we started um, grains and cereals, uh, farming, and so some of these, uh, you know, some of these uh, plants that we, I mean, people eat breads and cereals almost every single day, and that is not necessarily the best thing for our brain, and so we started declining. Um, and in our health and our teeth, you can see it in our teeth and our bone dense, you know, in our bone density, you can see it in our brains. And if his, uh, um, theory is right about the DMT in our brain having to do with our diets changing, what happens is when we have a lack of DMT in the brain that we become more anxious, more fear-based, okay. And you see society today, we're less calm. And so what can we do to try to move back to what's most natural in our diets? And I do, I see that a lot of these mushrooms really help with the conditioning of the brain and our entire nervous system. And that is uh, something I'm extremely passionate about. Like, I want to learn more. There's there's a lot of information out there, but still so many studies that need to be done.
0: Crucial. Absolutely crucial. And that's the stoned ape, A-P-E theory that you're referring to.
1: Yeah, You're yeah. with the
0: Reconscious Medical Hour, and we're on the Adam Dunn Network, and you can find us here every Sunday at 4.20 Gonjarado time. That's Mountain Time, and this is our fourth episode, and our special best is Rain Grant, and she's an amazingly informed mycology woman, and I call her Miss So Much Things to Say, Rain Grant. And she's got a world and a wealth of information. We're just really kind of skimming the top of a lot of your research rain and, and really what you bring to the world. You know, what is your future hope for mushrooms and the planet and humanity and consciousness?
1: Uh, Future hope is that more people uh, become aware of some of these things. It's about education. Okay. Educating people and people understanding it, bringing it more to the norm, specifically in the, well, There are certain areas, like well, the United States, Haiti, for example, Ethiopia, where there's a lot of fungophobia. People are afraid of mushrooms. They think that they're all poisonous. They don't know anything about it. And so, when you mention mushrooms, immediately people think, "Oh, are you tripping? Are you talking about a portobello mushroom from the from the store, or are are you know, or what are we talking about here? You're just crazy." Okay, so people are afraid to talk about these things. I mean, massively afraid of it. And so it's really refreshing when I get to discuss these these uh, these topics with people who are open and actually have some kind of um, interaction with me about it. But my hope
0: is yeah, that- we're all about it.
1: People learn more about some of these mushrooms that help to remediate our soils, reverse desertification, help us to think more clearly and make better decisions and judgments um, and I, I see. I, so the the mushrooms are the, as far as I'm concerned, they are the keepers or the guardians of our planet. They are the creators. That so fungi and bacteria are what, and some people say, and I believe it, that help to terraform these rocky planets all throughout the universe. Universes. are they
0: extraterrestrial?
1: They're they're found everywhere. They the spores can uh, can. Uh, they Survive the Vacuums of Space. Another book that I want to mention, that is if you're interested in the topic of learning the fungal. Bi- so this is called The Fungal Biology and the Origin and Emergence of Life by David Moore. Okay, it's a really good book. If you're interested, there is a website that has a lot of this information. This book runs about $50. It's worth it. I I love this, okay? This talks about how the planet Begun and how fungi helped to develop our rocky planet into the green planet that we know today. In fact, if you look at the tree of life, we actually plants and animals uh, and whatnot. They we all diverged from the fungal um, fungal line, so we're actually part mushroom guys.
0: <laughs> well, I have a lot of hippie friends that say that mushrooms came from outer space, and those are the same people that think that the human race was bred with an extraterrestrial too to become from an ape to a human. So. Maybe they all landed on the plant at the same time. Well, you know, it's really,
1: it's really interesting topic because like, of the, okay, so spores, when when, <laughs> when you get a mushroom and it's shooting off spores out of its gills, how, however it is, whether or not it's a regular gill or a polypore, it shoots out at such a velocity that it can actually break the atmosphere. Okay, this is really weird. So, how did the spores get on the planet? That's that's to be said. Are they floating in space, or are they on a rocky asteroid or meteorite? It's you know it's to be said. It's to be seen. But when we put all the data together, it seems logical that it's going to be found throughout space, spacetime. <laughs> it is. That's a that's a totally interesting topic. And and but yeah yeah the terraforming of planets. You know, and some people are like, well, why don't we use it to go and terraform? mars i'm like why don't we use it to save our planet <laughs> you know the one that we live on now <laughs> It's was like you know we, got it, we,
0: we gotta get planet here let's save this one instead of going and finding a new one let's just work on saving this one how about that that'd be a good idea
1: exactly,
2: exactly.
0: A, it's a really exactly. cool thing about
2: um this psychedelic is all the other purposes for it all the environmental purposes you know like with other psychedelics we talk about re- saving the world by raising human consciousness, but like this one can eat plastic and oil. It's awesome. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. You can actually grow grow mushroom materials. Um, uh, Fabrics uh, are being grown, but uh, growing a house, you can grow materials to build a house. And uh, that, that's, you know, if you get on my website or my uh, Facebook page, can mushrooms save the planet? I'm always uploading the newest and latest mushroom news. But uh, yeah, there's this one uh, building that was just gro- grown, um, I, I believe is in New York City. Uh, and as it was growing, I guess it sequesters it sequesters CO2 out of the atmosphere. And right now we have an overabundance of CO2 in our atmosphere. So it's super interesting. It's just like there's just so many aspects to mushrooms that, uh, yeah, literally I can go on and on. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention is the whole brain and heart and gut connection. Please. Okay, so I I had been studying this, you know, because when you think of psychedelics, you think of the brain, right? You think of hallucinating and people, you know, talk about, oh, I was able to figure something out. I was able to go within. I mean, and it it does, it affects our brain, our cognitive abilities, but there's a whole other science, science of the heart. Okay. And the heart is believed, and you can go into further detail by looking this up. There are books on it. Um, the, um, the awareness and the consciousness of the heart itself as a brain, the heart brain. Okay. And it, and, uh, different studies have shown how we, we hold memories actually in the heart. And, and, uh, and so I started thinking to myself, well, did somebody say something? So I started thinking to myself, how do psychedelics connect to this? Like do psychedelics affect the heart? And what I, I came up and I asked that question suddenly. So I put these things out into the universe and suddenly I was reached out to by a, a, a man, uh, Tom Lane, who, who's, an, who's an author. And I do believe he spent uh, some somewhat of like 30 years down in, uh, in Central America. And he sent me his book. And I uh, actually was a co-host on a podcast where we had him as the guest. But um, he talked about exactly what I'm saying right now is the heart and he talks about using psilocybin as a heart opener. Now, if you're familiar with cacao ceremony, cacao from the same area is used to open the heart, okay? Um, What he talks about, and he talks about a lot of things in his book, but what I found most intriguing is this whole psychedelic experience with the heart opening, okay? And it's a very sacred, traditional technique that it has been used for, I don't know how long. I mean, it's, it, you know, in the, uh, the Aztecs. But what they did is they took the, uh, the, the uh, psilocybin, the uh, uh, psilocybin zapatacorum, it's really potent. And this is so weird. Okay, I'm going to go into this. They take it fresh and they hold it in their hand and supposedly they sing to it and the thing starts to, to move. Now, I haven't tried this, okay? Maybe one day I'll get to try it. I don't know. But they sing to it and then they cover it in honey. But it's not bee honey, it's a wasp, it's a honey wasp. So they cover it in honey and then they chew on it. You do not swallow it. So you chew and chew and masticate as much as you can. And what happens is that you start to absorb the, uh, the, the psychedelic attributes, the, the psilocin and whatnot, through your cheeks, through under your tongue. And it's not only going straight to your brain, but it goes down the vagus nerve and goes straight to the heart, okay? And uh, they, they have this whole ritual with with uh, the jaguar and going to the depths of the underworld and then emerging with your heart open because of this, okay? Super interesting. But then when you take it and you can do use it in conjunction with cacao ceremony, which also is a heart opener, then you're looking at uh, it being extremely potent. Now, if you look at the, uh, so that's like a little bit of history, but if you look at the science part of it, with the with the chocolate and and with the honey specifically, so the honey is helping to break it down and extract it and convert the psilocybin into or psilocybin into psilocin. But also, the cacao is an MAO inhibitor. Okay, so when you take if you are doing anything that's an MAO inhibitor with psilocybin, you're gonna it's gonna make it much more potent. So always be very very careful around that. And I've I've read testimonials of people going, oh my god, I'll never do that again. Uh, just be careful, just be careful. But, uh, but I find these things very, very interesting. uh, You know, we need to open our heart more. And then when you look at the gut and how like people say, Oh, my gut told me this or whatever, you know, I had a gut feeling, you know, there is a consciousness in the gut. And some of these mushrooms like reishi, like most people have heard of reishi um, and other mushrooms that are just, uh, they're, they're not psychedelic. They're just medicinal. They help with the gut flora they support a healthy gut so that's why i say you know to me it's like these things can work in conjunction with each other and help to elevate and enlighten the entire being from a from a micro base you know from we're looking at the microbiome level to a spiritual level to the nerves like all of it i think it's all a whole and you have to look at it and so um you know we can look at microdosing versus a shamanic, you shamanic know, experience. These are all different, they all have their importance in, and they play an importance in different parts of, uh, uh, you know, they're just, yeah, they're all different and they have, um, have their importance is what I'm saying. A
0: little long-winded. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you bring that up, Rain, because on episode two of the Reconscious Medical Hour, by the way, you can go on to YouTube to Ann of Done Network on YouTube and you can see all of the episodes of the, uh, of the Reconscious Medical Hour. We're on episode four right now, but during episode two, we had a really interesting roster guest who did a lot of breath work. His name is Illuminati Congo. And if you didn't see that episode, I'd like to share with you real quick what he talked about. He did some breath work exercises, and during that, I talked about how it was feeling a really warm sensation in my brain from the breath work, and then I got a very strong sensation in my belly button. And he talked about a similar thing that you did too, Rain, and I thought it was really interesting that there's actually three brains or consciousness in the human body. One is the mental brain up here in your head, one is the heart brain, and one is the navel brain, which is like the gut the gut brain. So it's funny how these three things are lining up so closely that there is the power of the Trinity consciousness and, and exists in the human body and goes just beyond what our social domestication has taught us, that it's this finite brain that works. And also in my time in Costa in Rica, when I was living in Costa Rica, I learned a lot about the monkey kingdom and the uh, white-faced capuchin are the most intelligent monkey species. Although they have a really small head and a small brain, they have more folds in their brains. They actually have more mass than any other ape and can learn language and a lot of really interesting things as you touched on earlier about brain consciousness. Rain, tell the people how they can find you and how they can get more information if they want to reach out to you and become part of this revolution in mycology that you're part of.
1: Well, you can head over to my website, raingrant.com. That's R A Y N E G R A N T. And I link to all the different things that I'm doing um, I uh, you can also get on well I'm on Facebook I am a social media like that's what I that's one thing that I do so I uh, can mushroom save the planet is on Instagram Facebook I'm also uh, running the psychedelic a chapter of the psychedelic club in Durango in fact I just posted an article today having to do with the, how powerful uh, psilocybin mixed with meditation and breath work is so that's interesting that you just said that um, but yeah, you can find me there. You, yeah, just Google my name and I come up in several locations.
0: That's R-A-Y-N-E-G-R-A-N-T, Rain Grant. She's our esteemed special best right here on the Reconscious Medical Hour. Mark, do you have anything else you'd like to drill Rain about here on the public forum?
2: Drill. Well, man, I want to get back to serotonin real quick for yeah. our listeners in case anybody was hanging on about that one. So the main way that psilocybin is psychoactive and makes you hallucinate is by acting on 5-HT2, 5-HT2A. If you're taking an antidepressant like Celexa, Prozac, Zoloft, Lexapro, that also acts on your serotonin. And you can get this thing called serotonin syndrome if you take them together. So you really shouldn't take those kind of antidepressants with psilocybin. Um, so, a word of caution, because I know a lot of people with depression are on those medications and want to take psilocybin. And Interesting. I was reading about
1: uh, serotonin in this book today and uh, and the neurochemistry uh, with, with the, uh, the psilocybin. Um, I, I'm definitely, you know, I keep saying, I, you know, I'm a baby at all this. I really am. I'm just reading as much as I can from as many different books. Videos and I love I love reading science papers. I know they're kind of boring to some people, but I love looking at the research and uh, I'm learning as much as I can. So I don't know everything about everything. I just know I just like to share what I am learning.
0: And well, Mark, did you let me be real clear, Doctor Mark with the K? Did you say that you should avoid doing psilocybin if you're on antidepressant drugs?
2: If you are on SSRI's or SNRI's, you should avoid taking psilocybin while taking those medications. You should talk to your doctor about the options of tapering off those medications or maybe taking a medication break if it's safe. But again, you shouldn't just do that on your own because stopping antidepressants suddenly can make you feel crazy and even want to kill yourself man. So just be sure that you're doing this in like a safe, intentional, guided manner with your doctor's advice. And uh, what
0: is your research showing you, Mark, on psilocybin and serotonin and that connection?
2: Well, yeah, I mean that's how psilis- psilocybin makes you have a hallucination, Stevie, is by increasing serotonin. Is that the same with, like, ketamine or peyote or LSD, or different? It's the same with LSD and a lot of other anti- a lot of other psychedelics, but not with ketamine. Ketamine acts on glutamate. So, again, we don't really have one type of of, um, neuroreceptor that creates hallucinations. I know we want to think about it like that, like, oh, increase serotonin, cause this, increase glutamate, cause that. But it's not that simple, man. Yeah, no, it it can be complicated. But,
0: you know, one of the most important things that I think our, our viewing audience would like to know about is if you are ingesting psilocybin what I heard rain say was do it with chocolate is
2: that what you said
1: yeah yeah um, I mean I, I say cacao you know which is the raw was which, which is raw dark
2: chocolate. chocolate is an MAoi inhibitor so that's mm-hmm. going to increase the amount of psilocybin so again be careful man it's like with the honey or the lemon if you eat a big old bar of chocolate it might dose you higher and that might not be what you're looking for. So, like, when those other things Rain suggested, let's be careful and use it slowly, right? Right.
1: Always work on well,
2: it, well, it's interesting
0: that, you know, in the illicit market, a lot of times, people nowadays sell mushroom chocolates. That's like one of the, you know, when you buy it at the concert, a lot of times it's in a chocolate. True. And And I've also heard in the past, too, that if you do LSD, that you should eat mangoes. What's up hmm. with that? Is it no, no connection me? between chocolate and sillies and mangoes and LSD. <laughs> Mango, mangoes yes.
1: make, make you happy. I don't know. <laughs> delicious,
0: man. Mangoes are delicious. <laughs> mangoes make me happy. And so with psilocybin, if you want to increase your uh, your the effect of the psilocybin, you can decrease the amount of psilocybin and increase your dark chocolate. And is that the same true with honey?
1: Um, it's not about the amount of honey. It's about the fact that honey converts the okay. psilocybin into psilocin, okay? So it depends on, like, so if you're just mixing it in a drink with honey and you're drinking it, you may or may not feel any effects that are different. But if you're actually putting your psilocybin in with your honey and letting it sit for a couple of weeks, then you're gonna see a an increased difference. But you definitely want to keep it out of the sun because psilocin is, you know, it, it, it's destroyed by heat and it's destroyed by light. Oh. The one thing I do we're talking about mushroom stacking, which is combining mushrooms, okay? So, like, there's this mushroom called, well, it's not really a mushroom, uh, chaga. Chaga doesn't, well, it has a fruiting body, but I think it only fruits once every, like, 50 years or something. But it's like, it looks like a cancer sore on the side of a birch tree. It's a very strange fungal creature, just a sclerosa, which is just like a mycelial mass. But it's super, super high in melatonin. OK, and it's found um, like in, in the area like Maine and Canada and Russia, Siberia. So in the very, very high northern hemisphere and, and melatonin is what causes the coloration in our skin, in our hair. And it's also found in the brain, there's neuromelanin. And we know that people with Parkinson's disease are very, very devoid of neuromelanin in the brain, okay? And there hasn't been a lot of studies. I mean, I have looked and I have dug and dug, okay? And I'm putting these things together, like, I don't know. But anyways, what happens is when we drink this chaga, when we take things that are uh, high in melanin, like chaga, chaga has the highest concentration of melanin in anything in nature. And it's, it's, it's bizarre, but when we take it it in black, what's that?
0: Is it black?
1: It's very dark. Yes, it's black. It Mm -hmm. is very dark. And so when you boil it, like I get chaga and I boil it down, you can boil it up to three hours or more and it continues to extract in the water. And the the water extract is my favorite way to take it. But I do offer a a water and and alcohol dual extract of that, which I love that as well. But my favorite is just to boil it like for three hours. And then I have my chaga tea for the rest of the week and I keep it refrigerated. But what it does is that it converts, the melatonin converts into melanin in the brain. And melanin or no, sorry, melanin, melatonin. Sorry, I did about opposite. Um, melatonin in the brain is what helps uh, us balance our moods. It helps us to balance our circadian rhythms, uh, you know, your sleep cycles and things like that. It's very much in the pineal gland, okay, which is also referred to as the third eye. There are some people that say that, uh, that are that are posing that it helps to uh, decalcify the pineal gland. But it is my understanding, it is my feeling that when you're using some of these mushrooms like chaga, which is good for the pineal gland, and cordyceps, which is good for the pituitary gland, but also good for focus and cognition, and you know endurance and whatnot. But with the psilocybin, it, these are really synergistic blends. And then when you start looking at things like, like an, um, like for instance, I was going to call it an herb, but I guess capsicum is is actually a fruit. It's a it's a little pepper, raw cayenne pepper brings things to the bloodstream very quickly in fact it can be dangerous when mixed with certain drugs or chemicals right but when you're using it in conjunction with something like psilocybin it brings it to the bloodstream very very quickly and so when you're there i've been playing around with it a little bit on very very low levels okay because i'm not looking at the science part of it because i don't think that there's i haven't seen a lot of research on that but we're looking at like what 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 breaks that blood brain barrier and we know that that uh that uh, capsicum brings things to the bloodstream very very quickly which has to do with the heart once again right and its ability to beat and uh flow and so you have to be careful okay i got it these things i got it now
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna do cayenne honey dark chocolate mushrooms is that what i'm doing now (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, uh, so some of the elixirs I make that are not psilocybin based. Like I have a lion's mane elixir, which is chocolate honey, and uh, it's got some different types of peppers. It's got a little capsicum, but it's got some other yummy chili peppers in there for flavor. It's like a very mex um. and it's got cinnamon and the ginger in it and whatnot. And uh I don't know,
0: you know. How do people get how better. do people get your product?
1: Um, the Colorado mushroom company, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page for that. And I also have an Etsy page that you can, uh, purchase these items from. And I'm always open for phone consultations and, uh, And I can give recommendations, you know, like some women get a hold of me and they're like, oh my God, I'm going through, uh, you know, menopause. What can I do to help balance my hormones? And then I'm like, yeah, take the Mitaki, the, you know, grifola frondosa is good for balancing women's hormones. You're like, there's just so many different medicinal mushrooms out there and they're going to be specific to your needs. And again, like I'm using myself as a guinea pig. I've been taking chaga and cordyceps and lion's mane a lot. We'll just say that a lot. And I feel great, but different people are going to find that they align with different mushrooms in different ways. And I say, when you find your regimen that works with you, stick with it.
2: If they, if people want to reach out to you for a consult, rain, how can they reach you? What's the best way?
1: RainGrant.com. Uh, I do have my phone number on there. Uh, you can call me or just send me an email. Uh, but Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Get onto the Colorado mushroom company on Facebook. Or even on Instagram, I'm on Instagram. Send me a personal message, and that is the best way to get a hold of me.
2: I think you'd be you're a fantastic resource for people, and a a fantastic resource locally, but also globally.
1: Global, yeah, absolutely. uh,
2: Thank you so much.
1: I love the internet. You know, it's very much like mycelial web. You know, there are uh, pictures of the mycelial web as well as like, if you look at what the internet looks like and they look very similar. And so I personally think that the internet is a blessing. It allows us to connect with people all over the planet. And that's what I utilize it for, is connecting like
0: Mycelium web, I like it, the mycelium web. I'm down totally. No, I'm up, I'm way up actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's myceliate you guys, you know, it's all about connecting. That's what it's about really. Let's
2: my ciliate.
1: That's my ciliate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. I know I'm a super d- myco-dork, okay? I just am. I can't help it. <laughs> connect. Let's connect. my ciliate. I like it. I got my, I got my, my Joker <laughs> card here. see that? A little Joker card.
0: <laughs> You've been a fantastic guest today, Rain Grant, and we really appreciate all this wonderful information that you brought to us today. It's been a really great uh, opportunity to learn more about mushrooms and and their uses and and everything that's doing this program has been lubricated to nicolas sands who was the father of the OiN sunshine he's flown to zion but he tripped out the whole world basically through his uh production of lsd and through his final days he stood firm even though he went to prison he stood firm in his belief that psychedelics can change the world And for those people that are gonna see this program in a year or 10 years or 500 years, I want you to remember that we as a human race globally are in a planned pandemic called the coronavirus. And the COVID-19 stress on the planet is something that's really put a hurt on a lot of people's emotional, physical, and monetary states. And that there's some of us here on planet Earth that are using this as an opportunity now to create the new beginning and to get on with what we came here to do. And the mycological world is a is a, a wonderful addition to the information age that we can all utilize to expand our consciousness and become more of what we came here to be. If you like this program, please tune in every Sunday. We're here at 420 Gonjorato time on the Notorious Adam Dunn Network. And I want to thank our engineer who's so patient and very helpful with all of us with our technology and making it happen face to face. Can we give face to face a nice round of applause everybody? He's our man and we love him so much and we appreciate Adam Dunn and face to face for what they're doing to help us spread this love to the people. I also want to
1: make one more mention and I'm going to show up here. We've got the Psychedelic Club of Durango, which our newest board members are Rasta, Stevie, and Mark Bronstein. So thank you guys for joining the board. Um, Hopefully after this whole pandemic has blown over, then we can actually start having physical meetings. But I'd love to chat with you guys after this at some point, whenever, no rush, about doing, like, another Zoom meeting and getting people together and do, like, a little psychedelic, like, So yeah, Psychedelic Club of Durango, you can join uh, even, it doesn't matter where you are on the planet, okay? I I like to post things on there that are educational having to do with psychedelics. I specifically uh, post things about mushrooms, but I would like other people who are more knowledgeable about other types of psychedelics to be a part of that. Also, the Colorado Mushroom Company, I do offer a huge line of stuff uh, that people have been like hitting me up like crazy for these antivirals and whatnot, because some of these mushrooms that I have been studying and that Paul Stamets mentions as uh, in conjunction with bee health. Okay, I wild harvest them here in Colorado, and I've been tincturing them and I have been able to get rid of cat allergies and seasonal aller- allergies. I no longer have spring allergies and I contribute it to some of these mushrooms. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, support your immune system, especially during this pandemic. Uh, and if you don't have to get it through me, get it through your local, uh, natural food store or wherever you feel most comfortable. All right.
2: Rain, you are a mycelial queen. <laughs> Thank you. Praise Joffer for your presence. Thank
1: you.
0: Thank you.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we'll be here next Sunday
0: at 420 Mountain Time for another episode of the Reconscious Medical Hour. And we have some really amazing guests lined up. I'm not going to let the, the line out of the bag yet, but you can guarantee that we're going to have some really uh, groundbreaking, interesting people on the show. I want to thank Dr. Mark with a K for his group of the Reconscious Medical Group. And there are three treatment centers currently, one in Farmington, New Mexico, one here in Durango, Colorado; and one in Boulder, Colorado. And we're currently developing an addiction treatment center in the verdant lush hills of St. Anne's, Jamaica. The next project is in Israel. So we're taking this information global. Please reach out to us at Reconscious Medical on Facebook. You can also go to our new website that was just launched. Is it reconsciousmedical.com, Mark? Is that?
2: Yeah yeah and i just want to let everybody know hopefully starting in june we'll be back to in-person treatments at medicinal mindfulness up in boulder we'll hopefully be back to doing ketamine and cannabis treatments and again at our treatment centers in durango colorado and farmington in new mexico we'll be raising vibrations with ketamine and cannabis there hopefully very soon
0: stay tuned for more inspiration right here on the adam dunn network One love, Rastafari to each and every one. Stay inspired. Yes.